You're listening to the In Black and White Show. So my name is Lenny Escobar. Uh, I'm the black guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who are you? I'm I'm Cody Moulton. So the other guy doing the show. I'm the white guy. Uh, Leo Dicians. Is that right? That sounds right to me. Leo Dicians. Leo huh? Why'd you have the ah? I got a farmer accent. That's true. Okay. Well, whatever, dude. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the In Black and White Show. I am one of your hosts, Lenny Escobar. Wow. Welcome to the In Black and White Show, where we don't tell you jack crap about what we're doing here. (laughs) Welcome to the In Black and White Show, where we just try to have natural conversations about life and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am one of your hosts, Lenny Escobar, here in the house. Here, joined here by Cody the Molten. Cody Molten. The Moltron. Yeah, give yourself an intro real quick, Cody. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Of, so, anyways, of we're going to be talking about. Some... Can I finish talking about Transformers? No. I am second cousins with, with the Rock Johnson. How did you know? Because I'm a boss. You're you're his boss. I'm his boss. Yeah. You sure about that? Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm excited for that new Jumanji movie. I'm not. <laughs> Just kidding. I am too, actually. It's gonna be. Are you? Do you see yeah, the first one? Yeah. Have you seen the first one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I'm just gonna. Sh- I'm gonna share the riddle, real quick. Wait. It... The answer to last week's riddle. I need oh, to tell it. Oh yeah. What is it? Six. I said six. I know, but you told me not to tell you if you were right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. I am right. All right, all right. Okay, my turn. Here we go. All right, I'm ready. I am the beginning of the end and the end of time and space. I'm essential to creation, and I surround every place. What am I? The light of Christ. (laughs) That is an acceptable answer, but it's not the answer (laughs) I'm looking for. Okay, well, then you're looking for the wrong answer. Let me tell you about the gospel. Um... Okay, repeat that. I am the beginning of the end, and the end of time and space. I'm essential to creation, and I surround every place. E, the letter E. All right, well, tune in (laughs) next time to find out what the answer is. You're mad. No. You're mad. If I was wrong, you would have told me I was wrong right off the bat, but if I was right, you're just going to move on. (laughs) Okay, maybe. (laughs) Uh, All right, how about this one then? No, that was a good one. Oh yeah, can you just let me have it? I've heard I heard something similar to that. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I'll let you have it then. Yeah. All right. Let's hear the next one. Okay. <laughs> what do you call a fruit that is never alone? <laughs> a pear. Okay. Are we getting our riddles from the same place? <laughs> no. That's just the first thing that came to mind. Oh, okay. I haven't last even, one. I, I haven't ever heard that one either. La, last, last time. Last one. Okay. I'm just bad at these, I guess. When I'm new, I'm worthless. After I'm old and used, I'm worth hundreds, thousands, and millions. What am I? Hmm. 
worthless. When you're old, you're worth a lot of stuff. Hmm. Like an artifact? That's what I would say, artifact. Artifact. Yeah. Okay. Like a historical artifact, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or anything in a contemporary art museum. A contemporary art musician, museum, like like rubber bands, like rubber bands. Or uh, <laughs> when I went in Salt Lake many many moons ago, I walked up and I th- I might have even said this on the podcast before, but uh, I walked up to something. There's there's a broom and a dustpan in the corner, and I was like, oh man, they better be careful leaving this out. Someone's gonna think it's art here. And then oh. I looked over to the right, and there's this plaque. Sure enough, <laughs> the piece like broom in a dustpan. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> ah, that's great, unbelievable. All right, Lenny, what are we talking about today, dude? Ah, uh, what are we talking about? The revelation of Saint John the Divine. Where? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I I was uh, stalling to get my materials up because I I did not have it ready yeah it's talking about revelation basically the first half of revelation is what we're talking about right um i used to think i used to feel that revelation was my favorite book of scripture really Mm -hmm. the reason i thought it is because it was exciting that's why i thought it was my favorite i I didn't actually read it i just it was just like revelation you know you hear about the the revelations yeah you hear about the revelations of of john about the you know the end of the world the the coming of Christ and I just thought that was exciting so I was like yeah that's my favorite book of scripture okay you I I wouldn't actually know I did not I know what it. was in it you know I get it though well because you read a lot of the epistles and you're like oh this is some guy writing a letter to some other guy right. it's like Facebook <laughs> but two thousand years ago <laughs> well it's a letter yeah I know it's like a Facebook post mm, okay in a group okay yeah sure yeah. Because mm-hmm. the churches, you know. That's a good yeah. segue. Because Revelation starts off with the Lord addressing the churches. The seven churches, right? Mm. And here's the other thing. Uh, I'm glad we have this study guide. Oh, wow. Are you alright? Did you did you just Ugh. swallow a butterfly? Wow, that's very unprofessional. I just yawned in the middle of a podcast. Like I was the one talking too, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah, it's like you got—you uh, were bored at what you were saying. Bored of my own comments, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm glad we have this uh, study guide because it's hard to understand. And pretty much, I have a hard time understanding anything after the Gospels and after uh, mm. Acts because it's less less story and it's more uh, written word, and it's kind of hard to. to get in the minds of the apostles or prophets who are writing these epistles and uh, understanding their vernacular and their customs of how they're addressing people and what they're saying. And and even their use of metaphors is like hard to wrap my head around because it's a completely different time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm grateful for this guide here. Revelation especially is confusing uh, because it is so symbolic. Yes, yes. But absolutely. the first, 
the first three chapters here in my previous readings, I clumped it with the rest of it. And uh, the first three chapters are, are separate of the rest of it, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that uh, this is where the Lord is addressing the churches before getting into like the, the vision of the apocalypse and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have not read all of the 11 chapters yet, but I've read four, uh, up to five. Okay. I've read about half of them, but... Uh, the first three, they, they make a lot of sense to me breaking up and saying, okay, first Lord addresses the churches, and here's what he says to all of them. And, yeah, and so for forth. sure. But, uh, I mean, let's start there. Um, do you have any thoughts you want to share from those first two or three chapters? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just reading through the guide here, it says that, uh, like you were saying, I'm really grateful for the guide too, because my, and I was remember when I was telling you just, really previously that it was my favorite book of a book of scripture oh yeah i remember you telling me that yeah i was yeah that was like literally yeah like uh what was that five five minutes ago okay yeah um that was i was back in high school by the way oh okay so i did not i didn't know that's right i didn't know that was uh in the womb (laughs) yeah yeah we were in the the, uh yeah Umbilical cellular. Yeah. Umbilical cell. Yeah, we're biologists. Anyway, yeah, they're so the, they're only a service provider in the womb. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm grateful for the guy too to actually help organize the thoughts, organize the thoughts that are in the scriptures and also in my head. Now I say that because uh, as soon as I read, sorry, read Revelations two and three, and yes, I was like, okay, I kind of get what's saying, but then it made it very clear, like. Savior is talking to the seven churches. He's talking to them. Basically, this is a revelation to all of them. And he's going one by one. And he's talking to them about what they are going through. And I think that that's what really stood out to me. Especially in verse 11. Or sorry, maybe not verse 11. Where was it? It was... Which chapter? No, Oh, sorry. This is in Revelation 2. Okay. Um, Verse 9. He's talking to the church in Smyrna. 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 Yep. So he says, uh, verse 9, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Uh, So my favorite part is the beginning part where he says that just to the people, you know, the people that are are being faithful. I know that I know your works. I know what you go through. And I know your poverty. And then he says to a little side, he's like, and... I know that when you're rich, I know what you feel when you're rich, you know, or who you are that are rich. And he says, I know the blasphemy of them who are, who say they are Jews. So he, he basically is, he's saying that I know who my people are and I will take care of them. In my opinion, yeah. that's what he's saying. Yeah. Well, because, I hear you. Cause at this point, you know, uh, um, so these are, these are the last writings of John the beloved before he kind of, he goes underground. I, I say he goes underground. He was translated. Um, but underground John underground. Um, but, um, but he's like saying this, uh, these are the last things that he's saying to the, to his people. He's saying these, these are the last things that the prophet is going to be able to say and, and share the actual word of the Lord to them. So he's telling yeah. them very specifically, I know you and everything's going to be fine. And I think that that is actually really powerful to me. Um, just in the thought that 
his people he knew that that the that the apostasy was coming he knew that um the gospel was being changed and he knew that uh, his authority he was going to have to take his priesthood off the earth um for a spell and he's just right. letting his people know that it's okay like right now last hoorah right here yeah exactly for the apostasy mm-hmm. yeah no i i i like how you see this pattern in chapters two and three Right, where he starts off by addressing a church by saying, and unto the angel of the church in mm-hmm. Sardis, or Smyrna, or whatever. Then he says, uh, typically, he will compliment the church and then point out what they're struggling with. Yeah. And, some others, and, and, and mm-hmm. he chastens them. Yeah. And then he ends it like a, like a little sandwich. The top bun is, is uh, let's see, and unto the angel of the church in this place I write, blah blah blah. Bottom of the bun is, um, him that overcometh. You know, here are some promised blessings if you overcome. If you have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom bun, right? Mm-hmm. Everything in the middle is usually it's compliments and then it's it's some chastening. There's a couple I think, uh, and Sardis might be one of them. Yeah, does not compliment them. Sardis. Maybe they're not doing awesome. I don't know. But the, the, the point is that he's specific with every single church. Mm-hmm. Okay, nothing is, is copy-paste between these, these comments here. Um, and like that, that's what you're saying. You know, God knows his church. He knows w- where they are. He knows what they're going through, what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And he's aware of them. Um, and I think that's... That's the first thing we get in Revelation, really, is, hey, God knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need to do. That, that, that's like the central part of the, of the gospel is knowing that we are children of a loving Heavenly Father and a lo- loving Heavenly Mother, Heavenly Parents, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is knowing that we come from divine heritage. So I think that's, that's cool that that's, you know, that's what the Lord wants to say and wants these people to know first before digging into 20 more chapters of you know symbolism yeah. and symbolism yeah oh I, yeah actually i agree with i like that i just want to point out a scripture that uh, made me laugh and it's kind of a it's not a scripture that it's actually funny so i just want to point that out <laughs> it's not a funny scripture i understand that it was just the way it was worded that just made me pause it's in verse 23 of revelation 2 and I will kill her children with death. So, in my in my med, I was I was like, I was like, how is someone going to kill their children with death? Like, it's like I, I just it was just that image was just so ridiculous right. to me. Not, not not laughing at the right, uh, the not laughing situation. at yeah, not really. The, no, no, the verbiage not at all. was kind of like kill you with death. It's like it's like a but a, but I mean, what he's saying is that you know he's the children it's it's not even real children it's not it's not the actual children it's the um let's see if i can find where get a little bit more context to the scripture here he's talking about the the adulteress jezebel yeah which is which is another uh piece of uh What's it called? 
symbolism? Or is it? Is actually, I never really understood this. I don't is, know. Is just I, I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. I can't say. Okay. Uh, probably. Probably. And children is used in lots of different ways in the scriptures. It's referring to either actual offspring, but it might be referring to you know we're typically we're... children of what we follow. Yeah. Um. So, th- his point here is that Jezebel or Jezebel is is seducing servants to commit fornication. And eat sacrifice, eat things sacrificed into idols. Um, basically, she's teaching the people, and they're you know, in that way, they're the children of her teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, um, so it could be referring to actual children. Could be referring yeah, that, to that's true. Um, but anyway, and, and like I said, not the scripture itself is not funny. The verbiage was what made me pause. Just want to clarify off. that. Yeah, it was just, oh, it, just yeah. it just threw me off there. I mean, let's look at verse 21 here for a second, too. Because yeah. he says, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Talking about Jezebel still. And uh, space to repent. That's a great phrase. Uh, <sighs> we, we all, we sin. We all com- fall short of the glory of God, right? Yeah. But uh, the Lord gives us space to repent uh, which is essentially this life this this part of being on the earth this is our space to repent mm-hmm. um, I think another word you can use is time yeah I, I like space because you know when you're really upset or you have a friend or your spouse is really upset and you just need space right yeah that's or, true or being able to go by yourself to process things mentally and emotionally, spiritually and so forth. That helps you digest them, you know. Mm-hmm. So the Lord says, you do something wrong, he's not going to come solve your problem for you. He's going to give you space so you can internalize and, and digest what happened and what you need to do so that you can repent, you know. Hopefully mm-hmm. we repent in that time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't. But uh, he gives us space regardless to, to make that decision. That's part of the repentance process. I like that. I like that that um, that visualization of that. It's going to give yeah. you some time. Give you some space. Give you some space. That's a better better word, right? Because he, that's what was in the scriptures. Space yeah. to repent. The letter E. Surrounding. And <laughs> time and space. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on. I, I know... Uh, you said that you didn't read all the way through Revelation uh, to the chapter eleven, and I didn't either. Uh, it was there was a, a lot of reading and a lot of things to roll through, uh, but I do wanted to. I did want to talk about um, just kind of a uh, to talk about one of the questions that was given to us uh, for this section. It says, uh, as you read about the events John prophesied and watch some of them unfold as in some of these things are happening now, what are you inspired to do better to prepare yourself and your family for the second coming? So I, that's kind of something I wanted to, to dive into. Um, and I think it's I think it's interesting um, to see some of these things come to pass, uh, to see some of these revelations, some of these prophecies actually happen in front of us. Um because what it does for me, at least, is say, oh, this is actually happening. This is actually real. Like, these things are going to happen. Right. 
So yeah, you know, and you know. and happen. It's easy to distance ourselves mm-hmm. from them. Absolutely. And uh, because it is so symbolic and uh, not typically how we communicate and how we understand things. Right. So it's easy to distance ourselves from and make it seem like it's just. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't just not as is as real as it is. And uh, and we we still need to take some time after we get through this uh, to talk about the. Did you watch that nativity video? Uh, no, I didn't. That is okay. my. That is my folly. I totally spaced on that. Okay, ne- next week. Next week. It well, is well, so good. Well, that nativity video. It, it's we're talking about Christmas next week. You're mad. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm kind of <laughs> upset. Yeah. Dude, it's it's the best. Uh, video I think the church has ever made. Really? All right. Well, I'm excited, yeah. I'm excited to see it now. Oh, man. It's so good. But anyway, um, the point, is, and, and, and you'll see why I brought this up, is because the video does a very good job of making the Savior's birth story personal and mm. individual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing with, with Revelation, is it's easy to distance ourselves from it because of the language. Um mm. But we need to realize this is real. It might not happen the exact literal way we're reading it, obviously, because it is so symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. Talks about, uh, you know, mentions the prophets in the streets breathing fire and whatnot, two of them. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and also is is, oh, is that you know are they breathing fire? You know, maybe it's maybe it's metaphorical for the for the word, the doctrine that they're mm-hmm. they're sharing or something. Um, I mean, but uh, President, I sorry. could see President Nelson breathing fire someday. Yeah, well, good yeah. <laughs> well, maybe one of them was like a like well, one of those torch guys. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He just learned how to do that. I mean, he's a yeah. very talented person. So, anyways, yeah, yeah. sorry, continue. But uh, I and I always tell myself this too. I always say I don't want to fall into the trap of the Pharisees. Yeah. By 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 assuming I know exactly how things are going to play out, um, by assuming things that haven't been taught doctrinally from prophets and apostles, because mm-hmm. the the problem with the with the Pharisees was they took a lot of the prophecies about Christ and who he was, who he's going to be, literally, right? Right. Um, they didn't look at it spiritually, and. Uh, so when he came and he didn't physically liberate them or physically overthrow the government and whatnot, they were like, "What the heck? This isn't this isn't the Christ we were told about." Mm-hmm. But they were looking beyond the mark. I think we can fall into that too with Revelation if we're not careful. Um, but... By assuming, you know, assuming things are going to happen exactly as as we expect them to, right? I think. I think oh, if. if if Christ, this is my last thing, sorry. If Christ came in this day, we have to understand that there's a good chance that we would brush him off like the Pharisees did if we put too much stock in our uh, um, limited understanding of things. You know, I think I just wanted to comment on that. I think that we often do miss the mark in what. Um, I mean, I feel like that is something that uh, the Lord is constantly chastising his people for is missing the mark in the scriptures yeah. Laman and Lemuel the Pharisees 
the saints as they come in, you know, like as they, as this second, I mean, with the restoration of the gospel, I mean, the saints, um, right before the martyrdom of Joseph Smith and then right after the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, you know, like all these things, all of these, um, I mean, you look at it, you, you know, how they Brigham Young, uh, was called as the prophet soon after. But everybody was like, no, it shouldn't be him. It should be the direct descendant of of Joseph right. Smith. You know, like, and then there's a split because of that, right? There's, right. you know, they were looking to see, the saints were seeing, this makes sense. He would have this instead of what the Lord is actually saying to you, actually saying to them. No, Brigham Young, who is the actum, acting, or the, uh, sorry, the, quorum president is now going to be is now the prophet and yeah. maybe that 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 system or that that what is that what's it called the sequence of a, right. i don't remember i don't even know what's called wasn't established yet but the lord called him and the way that he did was letting his people know that that was who he called by giving them a manifestation of of who they believed the prophet to be you know they joseph yeah. smith is the prophet that they saw respected knew and and saw miracles from and so they gave him uh, the lord gave brigham that same authority by letting them see him be attached to that you know like you know for anyone that doesn't know the story uh as they were talking about who was going to lead the church after the death of joseph smith signey rigdon came in from pittsburgh brigham young was there and so he signey rigdon was passionately uh, exhorting them that he should be, he is the new prophet. And then Brigham Young gets up and speaks to them and is, is recorded in everybody in attendance is as if the prophet Joseph was standing before them because it was his manner, his, his words, his speech, and, and this spirit that was there that let them knew that Brigham Young was the prophet. Yeah. It's a cool story. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, that's a good modern example uh, that you pulled out there of of how we can look beyond the mark, right? Mm-hmm. And and kind of miss the point, uh, which I think is kind of the that's the nature of the human condition, uh, the, the, of the natural man. Mm-hmm. Is uh, and it can be easy to get this way. Um, that when we learn something new in the scriptures, we I I, I notice that uh, we we tend to talk in absolutes. Yeah. Yeah, and and we do it a lot more when we're younger, I think, than when we're older. But for example, um, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think. Just like I I read this in the scripture, and that means that this always happens. I'm like, well, it doesn't always happen that way, you know. It's not always that cut and dry, you know. It doesn't never happen that way. It's not always, you know. It depends the context what we're talking about, but I notice that we tend to talk in absolutes, which I think generally can lead us to um, kind of dismiss learning about. If if we say something is always this way, maybe we we miss the opportunity to learn more about it because we assume we already know the full context <coughs> of how it applies. Well, here's an example of that. So it says in the scriptures in the Book of Moroni that. You feel the, you'll feel the spirit of the truthfulness of these things by the by a warm feeling in the bosom, right? You'll feel like by 
let me let me read it exactly so that I don't misquote this or do it justice I should say <coughs> excuse me but uh, it says uh, okay hold on a second I'm almost there you'll get it yeah yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm here I'm here you know what I'm referring to, right? You know what scripture I'm, ta- I'm referring to. It's the yeah, last Moroni ten. Moroni ten, yes, and that's like the prime missionary scripture. Prime missionary scripture. Prime, yeah. Like prime, but you don't have to pay over a hundred dollars for it every year. <laughs> right. Mm, nope. This is it is. This is not exactly what I'm what I'm looking for. Shoot. But are you kind of get, getting at the the idea of? So, I, I, yeah, I'm getting the idea. Yeah. I'm getting the idea of of. Um, so it says in the scriptures somewhere. I can't now. I can't remember where it is that you'll feel the power of these things by the burning in your bosom, right? Right. But then in other times, it says that you will know these things by what you think in your head and what you feel in your heart. Right, so right. It, it kind of adds on to this, but um, the burning of the bosom is a little different than than receiving these feelings like that you will know in your right. mind and your heart. Right, and if you take that as an absolute, that you will the always spirit always comes as a burning in my bosom. You're going to miss when the spirit comes as peace in your mind. You know, yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to get. I'm not trying to say that. You, you can't talk in absolutes like God is always there and he loves them. Well, yeah, th- those are absolutes, but mm-hmm. um, there's lots of things we learn about that the Spirit impresses upon us that while it's a new learned doctrine, it could be easy to talk about absolutes. And um, Now, this actually might be an interesting segue into uh, Chapter 3 of Revelation here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Um, sorry, I'm still on this chapter. It's just so good. Yeah. But, uh, oh. Gospel library just froze. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All right, here we I, go. We're just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, we're just messing around. <laughs> um, but it's this it's the scripture that says, uh, let's see, Revelation 3, uh, verse 16. Okay. Yeah, verse So talking about the, oh, uh, let's see if I can pronounce this, unto the angel of the church of the Laodice, Laodiceans. Is that right? Mm, that sounds right to me. Laodiceans, ah. Why'd you have the ah? I don't know, dude. I got a, I got a farmer accent somehow. That's true. Okay, well, whatever, dude. He says, I know thy works, that in verse 15, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Mm. All right. And uh, <clears throat> this is tricky because you could argue that talking in absolutes is cold or hot, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what the Lord is getting at is is not that cold or hot is always correct, like, but rather what's more dangerous to your spiritual progressions than being cold, your spiritual progression than being cold or hot is being careless, not caring, being disinterested, Mm. being lukewarm, Mm -hmm. 
not making any decisions, coasting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the only thing that uh, we mentioned this last week on the podcast, but that quote from Elder Hales that uh, the only thing God has to, or the only thing that uh, Satan has to do is to convince, not to get good men to do bad things, but to get good men not to do you know anything not not to do anything worth doing right mm-hmm. to distract them and that's what lukewarm is to me right it's this coasting in the middle it it feels like a safe space it's not really risky it's not really challenging but it's also not really apostate or anything you know but you just kind of sit there for a while and uh you realize that you're not progressing and because you feel safe and secure in your carnal securities, whatever that scripture is in Second Nephi, chapter two, I think, um, it's easy to to stay there. You know, I think um, as I think about this lukewarm thing, actually, I'm I'm just I, I just am thinking about some experiences, some experience in my in my life of late. I think it's easy for when you. I kind of think of lukewarm as standing still because if you're cold I actually I actually feel like if you are hot or cold you're moving in a direction that will allow you to find your way to heavenly father because if you're cold and the way I look at it is if you're cold at some point you're going to be too cold and you're going to start moving toward warm warmth I mean, right. your your spirit, unless unless you're so actually, I don't even believe that it is really possible for you, at least some point in your life. So even if it's not in this life, maybe it's in the life after, and and even if it's maybe a little too late, it's still going to happen. I I believe that that uh, at some point it's going to be too cold for you, and you're going to start looking for warmth, and you're going to go toward the warmth. You go toward the fire, the warmth, the light. Um, so you're going to, so I guess my point is, is that at some point you're going to, you're moving in a direction and you're going to be able to change and move in that direction. Lukewarm to me suggests that you has, you have stayed still. You have found some warmth and you just stopped and you're no longer moving in a direction. So the warmth is going to fade and maybe that will, maybe that will, um, encourage you to move forward to go toward more warmth but i think what's more likely is that you start to develop hypothermia and right before when you have hypothermia i'm thinking about you being in water when you have hypothermia you start to get warm before you die right oh yeah i think i think that that's right i should probably check my analogy but the point well it's like when you're dehydrated, you're not you don't feel thirsty. Mm-hmm. The point before you're dehydrated, you feel very thirsty. When you actually get dehydrated, your body doesn't typically feel that thirsty. Mm-hmm. It's like so. I guess my point is that at some point, um, that it's my me suggests that when you're standing still, there is more. You are much more able to be acted upon than to act so you see that's yeah go ahead i think you're hitting it on the head here if you're cold or hot um you are utilizing your agency 
and your a power and ability of free thinking and will, your own will, um, to act, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've mentioned this before probably multiple times, but I'll mention it again. There's a book I read when we were companions, I think, actually, mm-hmm. or at least it's in my in Berwick when I in my first area with you. Um, I had a book from President Oaks called something. I don't remember what it's called. It's green. He's got a pen on the front. It's kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember what it looks like. But but he does say in there the biggest threat to the growth of the church is basically uh, people who are um, who don't care, right? Lukewarm. People who are lukewarm. He says the passionate people, the ones who are invested in, in tearing down the church and destroying it, care. And so they they have a connection, they have a feeling towards it, that can tip it, that can you know that could be changed, that could change their hearts to be a very powerful passion and support of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Support of of the church or, or whatever. If you don't care, if you're someone who's lukewarm, you can't change that passion. It, it's it's more difficult, I should say, to uh, redirect that passion. I, you know. I also want to say that I, I kind of want to say that, that the people who are lukewarm, it's not that they don't care. I, I actually really believe that they. I don't. I actually don't think that it's not that they don't care. I just think that they, for some reason or another, they are either. I guess either they don't care to move, or they are just too scared to move, or don't know, uh, or you know. I think that that's it. They don't care to move or they're just too scared. They don't scared. feel the need, you know. They they don't feel the need to move or they're just scared to move because what happens. I don't Yeah, I don't think it's out of uh, ill will most right, of the time. Right, exactly. I mean, it happens to me uh and it's happened to me recently where I've got to that point with my studies or my prayers where I'm like, yeah, I prayed this morning. It's like, yeah, but if you look at the quality of my prayer, like I zoned out 17 times. I don't remember 90% of it. But I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm praying, though. Mm-hmm. And I coasted like that for a bit. And then I was like, wait a second. This this isn't how I should be praying. This, this is kind of like we talked before where if you have a bare minimum or like a, a ground zero that you fall to when things get hard or you get lazy or whatever, that it should be the bare minimum. It should be going through the motions at the very least so that we don't lose that but i got to the point and we cautioned against this too but got to the point where i was like uh uh stay in there more than i should Mm -hmm. so i think i had to make a tweak it was it was i meant well but uh, it's easy thing to overlook in the busyness of life and so recalibrated and i'm trying to get back in i had a very good day today with praying and studies and so forth but that's awesome it took it took uh that recalibration and uh you know i i don't think i meant any any bad by my attitude but uh it just kind of creeps in when you get it just creeps in yeah and i think it's especially you know it in both instances as i can as i as i um think about it and uh i think that it's a way that we can okay so i think first off if we're trapped in this lukewarm thing i think that what we can realize like how to 
um, to get moving or to start moving toward warmth or even cold, you know, even is, is to, is to actually exercise faith. And what I mean by that is to just, is an honest assessment of how you're feeling about things. Like honest assessment of how you feel about whatever it is. And then when you like, so for, for, you know, just using, use an example, pre, pre your, your experience, like, honestly, I feel like my prayers are not very good. My studies, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, and then you can say, all right, I'm just going to, these things are still important to me. Like, yes, they, you like honest assessment of this. They are still important to me. I know that they're right. So now I'm just going to focus on one thing, one thing to do. And that is, I'm going to just get my prayers up to, up to what I want them to be, how I feel talking to Heavenly Father would be. And then on the same thing is if somebody's scared to move, which I feel like happens a lot. I actually want to, I, I feel like I could talk a whole episode about people being afraid to move because of what Heavenly Father is going to tell them. You know? Yeah. Um, it happens to me all the time. But oh, I, I get it. Yeah. I think for the, for those people, it would be like an honest assessment of how you're feeling about things. What is keeping you, what is making you afraid? And actually, actually coming in, actually identifying what is making you afraid of moving. Or what is preventing you from moving? Maybe maybe not afraid, but what is preventing you? It could be my fear of this answer, or my fear of of not being good enough, or my fear of not having the skills, or whatever. And then once right. you identify what it is, then you're able to be like to you're able to actually you're actually able to hear the spirits tell you what to do next. <laughs> like I, I really feel like that is really important. As soon as you, because what that does to me, what I, what it does is. Heavenly Father gives you weaknesses or allows you to have these weaknesses for a reason. And then when you do them, when you realize you have it, you humble you automatically humble yourself when you realize you have a weakness. It is like an instant humblification. And that humblification. And that instant humblification allows the spirit to just <laughs> dive in real quick and say, Hey, I'm right here. I'm gonna help you. This is what this is your first step. Right. And it's so cool. It's so cool that that happens. Once humblification like a... happens, purification begins. Oh, you really want that to be on a shirt, don't I you? I do, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Humble, humblification is a quality work. Oh, thank you. And if I didn't already have a really, really good episode name, I would, I would go with that. Well, what episode name do you have? Lukewarm or Luke Skywalker? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that's way better. But humblification <laughs> is, a, is a very it's pretty. Yeah, I'll drop it into the summer. Yeah, something like that. But anyways, we, I, I do want to uh, let me let me finish up because uh, we have been running for a long time now. Yeah, we got to wrap up. Um, let me finish with my this last thought, and then you can do what you feel. I think that um, Heavenly Father knows who we are, and uh, I think uh, one of the things I want to say about Revelation is is. Um, l- the Lord's language is pretty, like, pretty graphic in this. And when I say graphic, I mean it's just pretty plain about what's going to happen. Um, plain about the people who are not doing what they should be doing and pretty plain about the people who are, you know. And, and it's kind of scary in, in some, in like, what could happen to our world. It's kind of scary. But what I want to say is that Heavenly Father loves all of his children 
and he's provided a way for us to return to live with him. And what he was saying in Revelation, this last book of, of scripture in the Bible that John was giving to the last people before the, the church was taken, the, the priesthood was taken from the earth, was this is very plain language. And I'm not going to be around here, not going to be able to tell you these very specific things church-wide for very much longer. So I have to give it to you so plain. And I feel like that is sometimes what he does to us individually. It's not that it's not gonna, he's not going to be along very much longer, but it's just that he has to tell us these things so plain because it, if we didn't, we would misunderstand. And and we, he can't af- we can't afford that, and he knows that. Right. Yeah, there's going to be power and plainness. Mm. Our world seems to... Uh be very sensitive to plain language these days but uh, I think there's you know with humility with humblification uh, there's a lot we get out of that I, I don't I'm, I don't feel like I've ever had the spirit say something very rebuking to me in a way that uh, uh, discouraged me absolutely I agree with that 100% I, I've been severely rebuked by the spirit and uh I must say it doesn't hurt. Right. Right. Still doesn't feel good to get rebuked by the spirit, but it's it's encouraging to get that direction. Yeah. Motivating Whereas, uh, in, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Motivating. Whereas uh um otherwise from people or whatever it can be discouraged discouraging. It's it's a very weird uh feeling. Yeah. Dichotomy, I would say. Yeah. Being chastened and but still being encouraged, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I really am trying to think of my experience or any experiences I've heard from anyone that's been chastened by the Lord who've been like, oh, I'm the worst, and just kind of... If you're feeling that way, it might you might want to take a closer look and see if it's the Lord or not. He's telling you that. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, yeah. Lukewarm or Luke Skywalker? I think uh, we should avoid... Being lukewarm, I don't know what Skywalker has to do with it. But uh, go check out Star Wars. That's what that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it or hate it. Yeah, pick one. Exactly. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be a fence sitter. Well, in conjunction with Revelation, we can't be fence sitters. We can't be the people that say, "Oh, this is actually." Well, hopefully, nobody gets mad about this, but we we tend to say stuff like. Oh, I don't know if it's this side or this side that's right or wrong. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Now, there's a there's a degree of that ideology that's that's good to have in mind, but it can also be a lazy way of thinking. In that it discourages us from, uh, it kind of encourages us to sit on the fence mm-hmm. instead of seek more information. So if that's how we're feeling about. Uh, the gospel in any way, you know, let's, let's, let's avoid the lukewarm attitude and, and try to, uh, do our part to not be a fence sitter, to, to be authentic and, and try to do it, uh, find what God wants for us and act on it. There you go. Absolutely. I, I think that's great. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining with us for this. You're welcome, dude. <laughs> 
I don't know why that caught me off guard. Anyways, thank you everyone for joining with us in this second You're to welcome, second dude. to last episode before Christmas. We got some really cool stuff planned for next week, um, especially since I'm going to watch the video, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that in and in preparation for light Christmas. the world. Oh yes, we will be talking about light the world. Whichever one I want to be accountable to you, I signed up for the text. You did. I did. How's how's it been? I made, going? A, I made a goal on my phone that says, "Light the world every day." I didn't say do exactly what light the world says. Some of them, like today's, was share an or- ornament with someone, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't feel super motivated to share an ornament myself." But I can uh, Marco Polo this person I haven't talked to in a while for my last work. Hey, there you so, go. Um, uh, but you didn't actually do what, good. Was, what what the, what the Lord told you to do, so. Kind of apostate. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not for it or against it. I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah. You know, anyway, sorry about that. Uh, let me end on a very happy note here. Um, if you have thoughts about what we talked about today, please feel free to contact us at inblackandwhitepodcast.gmail.com. That's our email. And on Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter at the handles at Podcast. We would yeah. love to hear from what, from, from, from you and hear what you have to say. Um, especially when it comes to John, or sorry, not John, Revelation. Want to hear what your thoughts, what your feelings are um, reading it and what your thoughts are about lukewarm, all of that stuff. And also, mm-hmm. we want to hear just other things. If you have questions, maybe answers to the riddles or more riddles for us or even suggestions of things we can talk about, we want to hear those as well because we want this content to be beneficial to you, our, our listeners, and we want it to be about you what we talk about being beneficial and helping you get closer uh, to your spiritual goals. So with that, I hope that you have, and just me, I hope, not Cody, but just me. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, we are kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of Luke. <laughs> we'll call him Luke now. But uh, everyone, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas season this next week. And we will see you again on the show next week. So God is good, everyone. Next week. Godspeed, everyone. Gordon. Go ahead. Um, I'm recording right now, so. Yeah, yeah do okay. the snap thing. Three, four, seven. Three, four, seven. One. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. You got a riddle for me. No, I told you I wasn't ready, but yeah, you start anyway. You're really ready to start. Yeah, here we go. After this really great conversation we've had leading up to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead. Now. All right.